Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. Hot, sexy life. Romance after years of passing shifts in the night. Dating, knowing you are the hottest commodity on the market. Wearing clothes you thought you had to leave behind in your 20s. And knowing exactly how to get your needs met. So you never pour from an empty cup again. Welcome, Amanda Hanson. It's a pleasure to have you here today with us in the Relationship Breakthrough Show. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me. I am so excited to talk all the things that you just mentioned, all things midlife, relationships, love, everything. It's just wonderful to be here. Thank you. What would you say, Amanda, that to woman, to a woman whose partner doesn't help in the house, nor with their children, and both have a full-time job? Mm. That is such a great question, Rebecca. I think that when we decided that the world decided that women could also be in the space of working outside of the home, because that's still a fairly novel idea. So when we decided that women could start working out of the home, the piece that we forgot to incorporate was when she came back home, how do we make sure that she doesn't then have two full-time jobs? Because the piece that I feel like has not changed was the woman goes out of the home to work, but often in those relationships that you're asking the question about, those partners are not then working inside the home. So as she stepped outside to work, he needs to also learn how to step inside the home to work. So the balance has to shift. It is, I believe, for a healthy relationship, a non-negotiable that we cannot continue to over-exhaust women to the point of burnout, that they then have two full-time jobs. So I think it's coming back to the drawing board and saying, just asking for what you need and saying, I, I cannot do all of this by myself, nor do I want to, nor do I desire to. It means everything to me as a partner that we do this together. So let's look at ways that we can both feel that we're really contributing both outside of the home and equally in this home. That sounds really great. It sounds like a proper having proper boundaries, knowing what yes. you want, knowing how to ask for it. And it's also having respect for yourself. Exactly. That's right. It's right to, to have a partner just assume that you're going to do two full-time jobs is, and, and then to take that is really not feeling that you are deserving of more. You're not deserving of the partnership. That's not a partnership. You're at that point, you're really a slave. That's a good point to, to put it <laughs> directly. Oh, very directly. Yes. That's right. We need to call things as they are. Yes. How can a couple thrive living together when one of the partners is very messy in the house and the other one likes to keep a minimum of cleanliness and tidiness? Mm, I think it really comes down to expressing what that means for you and where that is stemmed from. Because I would say first and foremost, if you're someone who keeps things really, really messy, there may be 
something reflective of your early childhood or the way you grew up that maybe that's just how you feel comfortable. Maybe the chaos is your comfort. And then for the person who likes things really neat, it could calm them to make sure that everything has its place and everything is tidy. So I think what happens is those people need to come together and have a conversation from a place of heart, not from a place of, I can't take it anymore. The way you live is driving me nuts. You want everything just a certain way, or I can't stand the way you are. There's stuff piled up everywhere. I can't find anything. Rather than that, coming from a space of curiosity that says, I'm really curious, what does this represent for you? How does this cause comfort in your life? And then for the other partner to be able to understand it from a heart-centered place for the other person. Because the truth is, none of us are doing things by accident. We may think we are, but if we really pause and allow ourselves to be curious, we could discover these most unbelievable parts of ourselves. And then from that space, I think our partners have a place to operate from compassion because they understand, oh, this is maybe how you grew up or you grew up the opposite of this. And this is the only way you find comfort. You know, so I think going into understanding, help me understand how this makes you feel. Help me understand why you like it to be this way. What is this reflective of for you? And then from that place, I bet when we both come with openness and compassion, we can find a place in the middle that says, okay, well, these are the spaces in the house. We're going to meet more in the middle in the way that we're going to live. That sounds amazing, uh, Amanda. It's all about the partnership, right? It's about uh, stating your needs, as you were saying before, in a loving way, with an attitude of wonder and curiosity. Yes, everything with curiosity. When we approach it that way, it's very hard for our partner to get defensive with curiosity. If it's done truly from love and understanding, like I want to understand more what lives behind that action or that thing you just said or did. It's very hard for someone to be really defensive if we come in and we lean in with love and curiosity. That makes sense. And sometimes, Amanda, this leads me to my next question. When women are very busy, they're very much in their head doing masculine behavior, can the sex drive of a woman be affected by the amount of masculine behavior and the amount of time that they are spending in their heads, planning, thinking, you know, maybe at work, that she does, you know, in... What can she do to about to what can she do about this to satisfy her partner's needs? Oh, well, it's really about being able to come to the partner and say, like your very first question about needing to balance things out more in the home, because doing things, taking care of people even is very masculine energy. We've often thought motherhood is a feminine energy. It's very masculine because it's very task oriented. So when a woman is so in her masculine, getting all the things done all the time, not in her flow, not in her body, not in her creativity, not in her beingness, it's the most direct way to completely zap any sensuality out of her. So if a partner wants a woman to be more sensual, sexual, more connected in that way with intimacy, then the surest way to do that is to help. 
around the home, help her. You know, we, we laugh and we make jokes about, oh, the sexiest thing ever is when he unloads the dishwasher or when he takes the vacuum into his hands. But the truth is the reason our brains find that sexy is because what it does, it creates more spaciousness for the woman. It's one less thing she now has to do or worry about. And that spaciousness, even if it's just for 10 extra minutes, allows her to tap more into her femininity, her body, that luscious landscape within. But we cannot expect a woman to be acting like a man all day long in her masculine energy and then want to be feminine in the bedroom. Just doesn't work like that. That sounds amazing, Amanda. And when I, you know, when I talk about this to some of my clients who are business women, career-oriented women, they tell me that they feel selfish. Some of them, they tell me that they feel selfish when having to ask their partners for things. And some other ones tell me that they don't like how to uh, they don't like asking them to do things because they don't like the way they do things because mm. from the perspective of a woman it looks careless the way yes. they do things what do you think about this well i think there comes a point where we have to all admit we can't have it all so you get to decide do you want to be overly exhausted and have the dishes put away in a way that is exactly how you want it and then not have sex Or would you rather the kitchen be slightly haphazard, but make the most unbelievable love later that night? So we get to choose. And at that point, I think those are excuses for women when they say things like, well, I just don't like the way he does it. I think ultimately there's so much control in there because they don't actually want to lean into their vulnerability. Because if I lean back and let somebody else help me out, then I have more spaciousness And maybe I actually deep down don't want that. We say we want it out of one side of our mouth, but then when given the opportunity, we sabotage it because I think ultimately we truly fear the vulnerability. That's so we come up with all these other excuses like, oh, he just doesn't do it the way I do, or he should know if I need something done. He should be able to read my mind, which is very much operating like a baby princess right. instead of a queen. Exactly. This takes me to my next question. Amanda, you talk so much about the queen, being the queen. What does the archetype of the queen represent for you? Oh my gosh, the queen is everything. The way I move, the way I speak, the way I eat, the way I make love, the way I wash my hair in the shower, the way I run my business is all coming from queen energy. And by that, I mean a woman who accepts, knows, and welcomes in all of herself, all of her truth. She's so tapped into her body. She is so in tune with herself. She doesn't play games. She doesn't manipulate. She doesn't mince words. She is not afraid of her pain. She's not afraid to look at her shadows. She just operates from the space of, I am the queen at the center, sitting here on my throne, controlling all of these, not even controlling, but allowing for all these beautiful parts of my life. And in my relationships, in my business, with my children, with my friendships, knowing what is my true north and how do I communicate that? And so in relationships where we want something, rather than playing guessing games or leaning back and pouting and being like a baby about it, we get to step into queen energy that says, I'm really desiring that you help more around the house. It would mean so much to me for these reasons, because if I feel less encumbered by the list of to-dos, 
maybe I can spend more time with you. We can be wrapped up on the couch together. I really crave that. So a queen asks for what she wants with her vulnerability. She does not shy away from her vulnerability. A queen asks for what she wants in the bedroom. She shows him, no, no, no. Give me your hand. Let me show you how I like it. So a queen leads. A queen leads every aspect of her life with vulnerability, with leaning in and showcasing what it is that she wants. That is an energy that does not take from you. It actually nourishes and and fills your cup when you're giving from queen energy And, and, and relating to others from the queen energy. You don't walk around. I'm not resentful in my marriage of 25, almost 26 years because I speak like a queen. My husband doesn't have to play guessing games with me. He's the king. I'm the queen. We say what we want and we say what we mean. My children don't wonder what the expectation, they're grown now, but they don't wonder what the expectations are in their family because I make it very clear how they are supposed to respect and be a part of this family. Same with my clients. I don't have any issues with boundaries with my clients because I lead through so much very clear instruction about how we are in a relationship together. I don't carry resentment for anybody or anything because I as a queen, set the foundation for how we will interact. I love what you're saying, Amanda. I really love it. And I, and this also leads me to the next question. How can a queen lead in a relationship with a king, as you've mentioned, and what is each one in charge of leading? Could they clash in, at some point? Oh, I don't know. I don't believe they could clash if you're truly coming from king and queen energy. If you're coming from a baby prince and a baby princess, then you're going to be clashing constantly. But my husband and I, we were having this conversation last night. We consider ourselves to be such a power couple because he is a very successful CEO of Fortune 500 company. And he reigns over that kingdom so beautifully. And and the way he has brought in an unbelievably lucrative financial life for our family and that stability. I have reigned over the family and these feminine energetics of my business in a way that is so incredibly queenly and powerful powerful, but not in ways that I don't try to come into his space and nor does he try to come into mine. We have so much respect for the way each of us is operating in our own individual lanes. And so I don't feel the need to get into his territory or his lane and try to run things because I have so much agency and autonomy over my own lane, my own business, my own life. And then when it comes to family matters, we have such deep respect for one another and each other's feelings and opinions that we co-create and collaborate on every decision about our grown children, whether it's college or finances or emotional well-being. We don't make massive decisions like that without one another consulting because we deeply respect the other person's opinion. So when you're both coming from the respect of each person's role, And knowing that there are places where you will come together and make decisions, it gets to be really, really, really holy, really beautiful. Holy is the word that comes to my mind, Amanda, as I hear you speaking, because I'm just thinking that some men and also certainly women don't like to be told what to do, how to do it. They don't even like to get feedback. So... I can't imagine a woman saying to her husband, um, I don't know, 
giving some kind of feedback like, uh, I didn't really like the way you did the dishes. Would you mind to do it in this other way? Did you see how this um, knife is dirty? You know, how can a woman give feedback to her partner? And the same, the other way around, to be honest, a man to his uh, partner, to his wife, so they can hear each other's needs. Mm -hmm. When you said the woman, the word holy, what comes to my mind is uh, humility and personal responsibility for yourself. Yes, absolutely. So I think there's two things that come to mind for me. One is I think there's a way we can do it that's a little bit more playful. I think we have forgotten how to play as adults. Everything doesn't have to be so serious. So it could be like a joke. I could see myself and I have done things similar to this. If my husband, and he helps out a lot now, more, more than he used to in the last several years, because I'm working so much more. So he's really picked up a lot of the help in the house, but I have done things that are playful. Like you use the example of like, if the knife is like dirty, it it could be so fun and so cute and so silly. Um, If you pick up the knife and be like, Oh, look at this. I can't, this is so sparkly. I mean, I could almost even see my reflection. Oh, except for that one little crumb in the left corner. Um, Or you could be like playful and like go up to him and be like, babe, look at you. I mean, instead of like six remnants of dinner on this knife, there's only one now, you know, and have fun and play with it. Because I think when we get into that playful, silly energy, we take the heaviness away from the moment. But even more importantly than that, I would say it is very hard for, for partners, but especially for men to feel attracted to and interested in having a mother as the wife. So if we're walking around with the knife and we're like, oh my God, see, this is why I never asked you to do it. She didn't even do it right now. It's all dirty. I've got to, I've got to do it myself. It's like bitchy mother. I don't think many people are interested in being intimate or serving a woman who's always bitching and complaining. It's that nagging energy. Um, So there are so many other ways. And I think a, a better way to say it would be something like if they're, if they're helping out, I so appreciate when you pick up the dishes and you help out like that. It really means so much to me. I really feel so like loved and respected and cared for when you do that. I'm going to go draw myself a warm bath and relax for a little bit. I'll see you in the, in the bedroom later. i tell you what, you speak like that. And somebody may say, oh, I don't want to have to play those games. That feels manipulative to me. It's not manipulative. It's not games. I feel like it's being a queen because that is the truth that when he picks up like that, it allows you to feel loved and cared for and appreciated. And then allows you to maybe go and take a bath and luxuriate and create what we were talking about earlier, that spaciousness to be embodied, to then welcome an intimacy and lack of resentment. So I think there's so many beautiful ways that can be handled. That's right. I love, I love what you said, Amanda. And, and this leads me to my next question, <laughs> very related again. Can a queen influence a prince enough to lead like a king? Or that does not depend of, on the power of the influence of the queen? Because sometimes some women can be doing all the right things for a certain deadline, you know, with a deadline, as I say, 
you do the right things, you show up in the right way, you let go of all these limiting negative beliefs that you've been having for a while, all these behaviors, all this heavy masculine energy, you know, uh, you allow the space to emerge in, as a queen, as you're saying, and after a while, doing the, all the right things, can a queen really influence a prince? Or is there any case where actually a prince is going to remain a prince? That, that will like live itself out, you know, it's to be seen for each individual case. I think that I like to, the way I work with women is this idea of leading yourself on your path as a queen. And then as women, see, women are to me, if, first of all, if you married a baby prince, most likely you were a baby princess at that time, because true queens don't usually fall for, like real queens don't usually fall for a prince. They wouldn't be satisfied enough. But if you are like a baby princess, this baby prince, you get married, and then she starts evolving, which almost always happens for women, because women are like Mother Earth. We're like the richness of the soil that keeps regenerating. We're like the ocean waves that keep moving, ever evolving. We are constantly turning over and regenerating. And in doing so, we cannot point the finger and say to the baby prince, you better change. You better come along with me or you're going to get left behind. That doesn't motivate anybody. But what we can do is say, take my hand. I want to go on this new journey and I want you right next to me. And then he can decide if he wants to clasp onto your hand or not. Whether he does or not, you keep moving on your path as a queen and then he'll either catch up with you, be next to you, maybe slightly behind you on the path of evolvement, or he won't. And either way gets to be just perfect because there are many other kings who I'm certain would be more than happy to step on the path with that queen. That's right. Sometimes we need to redefine the dream again. And sometimes it's not with a partner. I have clients who've decided that at this point in their life, they are going to remain unpartnered. They will date and enjoy, you know, different relationships, but they are not wanting to be partnered until they find a man who is not interested in being in a controlled kind of a dynamic. Because when women taste that ability to live fully from their own place of agency, they're not willing to welcome in a baby prince again. It must be a king and only a king. Because playing in that level is no longer, is no longer even nourishing or enjoyable. You get nothing from that after you've experienced living a different kind of way. It's very hard to go backwards and settle for less. Most women just prefer to be alone than settle mm -hmm. for less. That's right. And talking about just uh, keep walking your path alone. How can I couple break up from a place of love, Amanda? Is that possible? Oh, yes. One of my clients is actually going through this as we speak. It is absolutely beautiful. And what they have decided is this idea that they've been together for 15 years and it was such a beautiful journey. There were harder parts in there, of course, but all in all, it's this decision, I think, for couples to say, We've walked this path together 
And I think we've come to the end of our journey and it's time to go on separate paths now. It doesn't mean anybody has to turn back and point the finger or blame anybody. Rather, what could happen if we stepped into the energy of we've come as far as we could go together and we've both evolved and we've both grown and it's incredible. And it's also time to say goodbye with so much respect and so much love and so much honor, because that was a part of, because I don't think, I think if you hate or despise or blame or resent that person, even if they had an affair, you can't feel, you can't hold that energy towards them and not also contaminate your own body and your own mind and your own heart. So you are keeping yourself imprisoned with those feelings. So the safest, most beautiful, nourishing thing we can do for ourselves is to release those people out in a way that blesses and releases them so that we can ultimately be more free ourselves. That's right. It sounds pretty much uh, of gratitude. The word, the word that comes to my mind, gratitude for all the learnings, the growth together. Yes, yes, absolutely. And... Can we actually control if our partner is in that place of love or he may not want to let go yet? We have no control over somebody else's feelings and, and their feelings are really, and their process is not really any of our business. That's codependency. If we stay because somebody else isn't ready to let go, that's our own uncertainty, our own lack of confidence, our own lack of knowing what we even really want. We're so enmeshed with them. And that happens in longer term relationships. It's harder to kind of tease out where do you end and I begin. So I understand that energy, but it's really important that we get clear drop in and listen to like, what is it that I want and need? And if this really is the end of this relationship for me, I need to turn and keep walking, even though I know it's hard for my partner. And that partner is a grown adult who's fully responsible for figuring out how they're going to process through it. That's right. Sounds great. <laughs> Although in practice, we know that it's not as easy. No. No, but it is necessary. Yes, absolutely. None of this emotional work is ever easy. You know, even the women who sign up to work with me and come into my programs, they will tell you self-exploration, transformation, going to new depths within yourself and growing as a human being is not easy to do. But I would argue that it's also not easy to stay constricted. It's also not easy to stay angry. That takes a lot of energy to be small and restricted and scared and limited in the way that you live. That, that takes, I think, even more energy, quite honestly. I completely agree with you, Amanda. I often say to my clients that it can look worse than what the process really is scary, really. When we start uh, working on that path of working on our own, like you were saying, just moving, moving on with no partners anymore, we don't want any more prince, prince, baby, baby prince, as you were saying, we want a king or maybe we just don't want anyone. We are happy with ourselves. We are enough. Then yes. that can look more scary than what actually is. It actually feels really great once you start the process of liberation. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that women have been whether consciously or unconsciously brainwashed by a world culture that says that women 
need men to be fully human, to be fully worthy, to feel special, to walk around in the world without a partner, without a ring on your finger. It's this idea of like, well, oh my gosh, nobody picked her. Nobody wanted her rather than this idea of I picked myself. I am worthy just as I am. I was born worthy. I will die worthy. I don't need another human being to validate my worth in this lifetime. So I think it's about rewriting new belief systems and narratives with really strong women and being in sisterhood with other strong women who live by the same values and believe whether partnered or not does nothing to dictate your worth. Because I know women who are partnered who feel horrible about themselves. So they may be walking around with a ring on their finger, but they have an incredibly toxic relationship. I would rather have so much self-love and self-respect and be single than be in a partnership that's miserable just to stay in a partnership. That's, that's terribly, that sounds, terribly sad. That sounds quite right. Amanda, self-respect and also respect for your partner. Sometimes we, we're not happy in the relationship and we're not even allowing our partner to be happy with someone else. And maybe so there's someone true. else out there waiting for us, but we don't allow that person to come into our lives because we are so scared and playing small. Yes, absolutely. That's such an interesting perspective because we so often think that we're unhappy in a relationship. And then we may say, but oh, I could never, I could never break up with them. I'd feel so bad. I know they this, they that, they love me so much. It would be so hard for them to hear. I don't want to be with them anymore. But like you said, what if secretly they're feeling that way as well? And what's to say, if you really aren't loving someone in that way anymore, it is so unfair to keep them, to hold on to them. You can't even give them the experience of knowing unbelievable love and acceptance. It's like, I also believe if we really care about somebody, it is, but we know it's the end of our time with them. It's part of our moral obligation to release them from that contract so that they can be in their life and really experience what it feels like to be so seen and so loved and so accepted and celebrated. That's right. I, I sometimes come across with clients who they're married with their partners. They have, let's say, two, three children. They don't have a job because they've been working full time as a mother and their relationship is not working. And when we mm -hmm. work with them, they come to the point where actually they're ready to go. They're ready to go, but they're scared of facing the wall, you know, looking for a job, having two, three children, and of course the time, the dedication that you need to work for your children and all these things. And it's that process that scares them so much. And then once they they work on that path, they realize that, as you were saying, it really feels amazing. Mm, yeah, it really does. I think that the fear in our head is greater than the reality. And I think we spend so much time paralyzed in our lives because we are walking through one worst case scenario after another, when in fact, if we'd just taken some action and started walking in a new direction, we could have been creating this next chapter of a beautiful life. That's right. Amanda, I've got another question for you. And yes. it's very, very related to what you do. Can women of middle age have the same sex drive of young women? What changes? 
I think women in middle age have a better sex drive than women who are younger. I think it is because at least in my world, definitely for myself um, and why I do this work as well. But for all the women I work with, I have never felt so confident, so in my body, so like a queen, so sexy, so powerful. It is that energy that drives my constant desire, my constant level of turn on. Like I'm just turned on for being alive. I'm turned on that I can see the waves of the ocean out of my window right now, that I see the birds flying by, that I see beautiful flowers on my table, that I have a gorgeous lunch that I just finished. Like I am just turned on for living. And my midlife has allowed me to have so much appreciation and gratitude that that turn on for everything also allows for the turn on within. Because when you see beauty within, first and foremost, you see beauty everywhere. When you see ugliness and less than inside, you see it outside as well. And so we get to decide which lens we're going to choose. And in midlife for me, I feel like I have this perspective that if all goes well, it's half over. And I'm really interested in creating a life where I just feel turned on all the time. It is a choice. To, to live a life with turn on and pleasure and desire is a choice. We do not tell women that. We do not teach women that. We don't let them understand how to go on this treasure hunt of understanding themselves, their minds, their bodies, their desires, because when a woman does, she becomes so potent, so powerful. It's the kind of energy where she could possibly spend the rest of her life not needing anybody because other than maybe some great sisters, um, because it's that good. I just finished leading a retreat here this weekend in Miami for 15 women. And it, it was, it's at the end of my six month mastermind. We meet in Miami for two days and have this deep transformative finishing process of our time in this journey together. And women were so overwhelmed with the experience saying to me, I've never in my life had two days like this. This was the most powerful experience of my life. And at one point I pointed out to the women that we were in the middle of an activity and it was so beautiful. And there were tears of joy streaming down women's cheeks. And I paused for a second. I said, I want you to harness what's happening right here in this room right now. I want you to harness this energy. This is why they burn the witches because this power, this level of potency, this level of truth and sisterhood, this is what creates new worlds. And that is what the patriarchy fears. That's what religion fears is women who know that level of joy and depth and sisterhood and love and celebration that is feared because it is incredibly powerful. Wow, Amanda, I, I just feel that you are a woman who is on fire. <laughs> and oh, yes. <laughs> I love to ask you a personal question if you don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> You know, I normally see some people, when I observe people in the street, I and I'm working with Matt, my partner, you know, as you know, we work together. And I often tell Matt, look at people. I see, a, I look at people's faces and they are like, like faded, 
sad, depressed, low energy, Amanda. And, you know, I'm Spanish. <laughs> I don't know if it's because of that or what it is, but I'm very passionate always. And when I'm looking at your Instagram and your, I'm looking at your videos, your pictures, and I'm talking to you here now, I see a woman who is very passionate, on fire, full of energy, full of love, and particularly full of wisdom. I'm, I'm curious to know, what are your rituals? Do you know, do you have any rituals? Do you tend to practice, let's say, gratitude or any, any detox drink in the morning? Do you do your workout? What can we, you share with us? Because I believe that the mindset is the foundation of everything. Uh, but I also believe that what we eat and what we drink, it's paramount. Because I see people uh, eating and drinking really, really bad to be polite. And, and that's definitely going to determine how they make themselves feel. So what could you share with us? Oh, Rebecca, that is such a great question. There's so many avenues, but I'll sum it up with saying just these couple of highlights. One is obviously we've all heard this analogy, but similarly to our cars, we wouldn't take mud and like fill our gas tank with mud and then expect it to go. We wouldn't fill it with water or Coca-Cola and expect it to run. And yet we somehow think we've evolved past the point of needing to put beautiful things inside of our body to get a beautiful result. So beautiful function comes with beautiful form. And so we need to put the right things in to get energetics out, beautiful energetics out. So that's like a base level for me. That's a non-negotiable. As far as like rituals, I don't have rituals per se with food. I just eat very clean plant-based occasional fish or chicken and organic, lots of fruits and vegetables, ton, more water than I could even count with, with lemon or lime. So that's a food thing, but I wouldn't say I have like a ritual around food. I just, my lifestyle is very, very healthy. The ritual I do have, there's two of them and they're very, very simple. It takes in total about four minutes every morning. The first one is I wake up every morning and rather than reach for my phone or turn my phone on, I walk straight to the mirror. I grab my toothbrush and my toothpaste. I put the toothpaste on I set the toothbrush down and I look at myself in the mirror with eye contact. I take a deep breath and I say, good morning, queen. I love you. You're a goddamn miracle. And I really let every word wash over me in my cells, that feeling of like another morning, a queen. I love myself and I'm a miracle. I'm here. I'm alive for another day. That is a miracle. When you let that, those words sink in, it dictates the way I move through my day. So that's one. And then I brush my teeth Then I drink my coffee, my one cup of coffee. And then as I walk towards my closet and think about the day I have ahead of me, I grab my phone, I grab my playlist and I turn on a song dependent on like what kind of energy I'm in. So sometimes it's really spicy and sexy. Sometimes it's deeply slow and sensual. Sometimes it's happy and joyful and dancing. Sometimes I'm carrying a lot of grief, especially now with like the, the war going on between Russia and Ukraine. If I'm having a morning where I'm feeling more grief in my heart and I want to move some of the grief, I honor my body. I honor, I listen to like, what do I, what do you need this morning, Amanda? 
And then in reference to how I'm feeling, I go to my playlist. I have many different kinds of playlists. I pick a song and I dance in front of the mirror and I, I honor myself and my body, my movement, my three minutes, because the average song is about three minutes. So between the affirmations in the mirror to ground myself in the day, and then that dancing, those are the only guarantees that I do. The rest of the day is with clients, healthy meals, lots of water, time outside, down at the beach, if I have enough time between sessions. But for me, it's really an inside, deeply inside job. And it's very embodied. I don't, I don't go get facials or manicures or pedicures, not because I'm against them. Um, but one, if I have free time, I'd rather go meet a girlfriend for a cup of tea. I'd rather go for a walk on the beach. I'd rather be with my husband in conversation. Um, so I don't do the things that the world has told me are self-care because that's just another way to get women to spend more money. I do the things that start within my body that are free. Thank Telling you. myself how much I love myself dancing. I love it, Amanda. Thank you. How, how could our listeners uh, know more about what you do, connect with you? How can they find you? Yeah, so my brand is called Revolutionizing Midlife because I am not going to sit back and accept this idea of midlife crisis. I'm a woman who's 49 years old. I've never been more on fire for being alive. The last 10 years have been the best 10 years. And all of the women I work with, that is the idea, the attitude, the, the energy that we are moving with. So they can find me at amandahanson.com. All my offerings, my programs, my podcast, everything is there. And, or they can go to Instagram and look me up at Revolutionizing Midlife. And same with Facebook. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you. I am 10, ya 10 years younger than you, Amanda. When I am like you, I want to be definitely like you. I want to feel like you and I want to look like you. <laughs> Oh, well, you get to be your own version of that, right? And so it's so incredible. It's so powerful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda, for today, for our conversation, our amazing, exciting interview. I'm very, I'm really excited to share this with our listeners. And would you like to say anything else? I would like to say that we get to decide what this journey gets to look like in our own lives. We get to decide that we want something different. And then once we decide, it doesn't have to stay in our minds. It doesn't have to stay a fantasy. If you want a better relationship, if you want a better connection to your body, if you want more self-love, if you want to get paid more in your job, all of these things, all you have to do after you decide is be willing every day to make decisions based on what you're desiring more of. So if you are desiring a better relationship, every time you make a decision throughout your day, just ask yourself, is that decision in alignment with getting me a better relationship? Or is that decision further away from getting me that better relationship? So it's the willingness every day to keep coming back and saying, are these decisions that I'm making in my life, putting me on the path to really getting the thing I want? Or is it taking me further away? So decide and then be willing. Decide and be willing. And we have to do that a million times a day. Just keep redeciding and stepping back into willingness to create the life you want. That's like an amazing advice, Amanda, because how often can people focus on what they don't want? 
and move in the opposite direction of the direction where they want to be moving instead. Well, it's energy, the universe, whatever you're focusing on is what the universe expands. So if you see scarcity, all you're going to find is scarcity. You see, if you think abundance, I mean, if you think about just the raindrops in the sky, you think of the snowflakes that fall or the amount of grains of sand on the beach or the amount of blades of grass in a lawn, the amount of people in the world, there's so much abundance So we get to choose, we get to decide, am I going to see the world as abundant or am I going to see it as scarcity and lack? I just had brunch yesterday morning with a woman who was born and raised in Haiti in one of the most impoverished families and situations I have ever heard of in my life. From the time she was a young girl, she chose to see beauty and abundance. What she then has gone on, she's 75 years old now to create in her life is almost unheard of. Because she decided every single day she would see opportunity in abundance. When she got invited to something that was bigger than anything she'd ever been exposed to before, rather than say, wow, this must be so nice for these people, she would say, I'm going to have this too. Every decision I make is going to be a decision to get me closer to this. And she built an empire. And she's a phenomenal human now because she decided to see abundance everywhere she went. So it is a choice. It is a choice. I love what you said, Amanda, because I, I also think that it's actually our responsibility to focus on all the abundance that we have around us, as you are saying, because everyone can have a bad day. Everyone can have challenges. Challenges are part of life. We can't avoid that but we can choose what we choose to focus on. And it's almost our responsibility, really, I think, to, to appreciate what we have because some other people have even less or have actually a very challenging situation or life. And we, if we focus on this abundance that we have, I believe that we can create some ripple effects and influence them with our energy of love so they can also get infected with that love and start emerging as well and joining yes. the abundance. Yes, absolutely. And when we, women like us, are operating through abundance, it ripples into our families, into our communities, into the work that we do. It's just such a contagious effect when we operate with abundance. <laughs> okay, Amanda, thank you so much for coming uh, coming today with us. And I am very grateful for this interview and I can't wait to hear from you again. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been my absolute honor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.